Welcome citizens, you're listening to New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creatives. Here, thinkers and doers always have a key to the city. The mayor is in, so office hours start now. New Amsterdam starts now, episode 200 and a lot. It's still, it's still blowing my mind that we're able to keep it going, keep it flowing here. I mean, season nine is rolling through, and I, for one, can't thank you enough for making this a part of your podcasting diet. 202 is what I'm saying, really. You know, Sam Radio starts now, brought to you part by SeatGeek. You know, I've been trying to go to every MLB ballpark to see uh, all the teams in this great state great nation of the USFA, including this state of California. And when I do, I'm using SeatGeek, get myself the best tickets, the best prices, the best view line, sight lines for the show. You can too. Promo code FLOBITO, that's F-L-O-B-I-T-O, for you to get $20 off your first order. Now, in a minute, we'll be having my talk with Noah Healy, who is a mathematician, my first ever mathematician on the show. In fact, Noah approached me about being on the podcast. Not really a rare occurrence here in New Amsterdam. I usually go out to people who are creatives and doing the thing, but it's been pretty cool that Noah wanted to be on the show because he really wanted to have a platform for other mathematicians. So I get to uh, pick his brain when it comes to that sort of thing. But before I get to that, some housekeeping. NewAmsterdam.com, K-N-E-W-Amsterdam.com. And if you haven't heard the past couple of weeks on this podcast, we are one of the official sponsors of the Orlando Aces Florida Grid team. I'm a fan of Florida Grid. It is basically CrossFit mixed with team-based activity, mixed with a timer, mixed with just action excitement. Learn more at Florida Grid Lead. Put that in your search engine. Learn more about it. But the Orlando Aces is now going to be lockstep with New Amsterdam Radio and New Amsterdam Entertainment. So Orlando Aces, check them out. Make sure you see Geek promo code Flobito. And my chat with Noah Hill is going to be a fun one. I really didn't think uh, we'd be able to, to pull some parallels between mathematics, something that was originally my favorite subject and became my least favorite subject by the time I graduated high school, into how we can apply that as creatives and entrepreneurs so you don't enjoy it. Noah Healy, up next, after the jump. Welcome back to New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creatives. It is I, the mayor, flow of voice in the mayor's office, hanging with those who are doing the dang thing. But my guest may just be the smartest guest I've ever had on this show. We're talking about something that is my kryptonite, mathematics, and more today. Uh, Noah Healy, thanks for being on the show. Uh, how are you doing today? I know it's kind of a, a wonky weekend here, you know, at the end of the winter as we record this. How are you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Um, I'm getting my house ready to receive family and it's always fun to see see them uh particularly there's many of them i haven't seen for a while yeah yeah family they're okay i mean i can take it or leave them i mean they're fine <laughs> just putting it out there so i'll be honest with you uh when you reached out to me i was so glad to have you on your show i was like you know i want to see a lot of your past interviews to get to know you as an individual. And um, my first question I always ask a lot of my guests to describe what they do, but it felt like so many other podcasts couldn't even do that. <laughs> so let me ask you this. If you're at a party and someone's like, can you succinctly tell me what do you do? How do you go about doing that, sir? Um, well, I'm not that great. It's succinct, but, uh, but I, I think about 
how things should work uh, to be as effective as possible, really. Um, mm -hmm. When I'm at parties, uh, I'm not, I'm kind of a loner. Um, mm -hmm. So the last, let's say, the last party I can remember at that I was at with strangers, I started chewing on a a problem, accounting problem having to do with uh, path counts in certain network structures. And actually I had a bit of a breakthrough, um, which was kind of cool. And then somebody came up to me and asked me what I was doing. And so I told yeah. them what I was doing. And we went on to a long discursive conversation about why anybody would ever conceivably choose to do anything like that. Right, right. <laughs> Well, that's where you know you're visionary, right? Because most people don't have that vision. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, mathematics is is sort of a weird thing because it's at the same time completely imaginary and absolutely real. So, so you're you're looking at things that are are as sort of relevant to your existence as the furniture and the room that you're in. Um, mm -hmm. but that have absolutely no physicality of any kind. Right. And I think, so actually I'll forget what I think right now. I want to step up, take a step back because like most people, when we go to uh, talk about advanced mathematics, we always put our hands up and go, oh, I'm not a math person. I suck at math. Not me, but it feels like it's probably part of our life. And so does that offend you at all when people are so flippant about it, that? It <laughs> really, really does. Yes. Yeah. Um, in particular, uh, the way that that's so often used as an excuse at the upper levels of our society, if people said that they were illiterate, you know, we would <laughs> we would treat them like vampires, you know, or, or lepers or something like, you know, if 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 the if if Jeff Bezos came out and said, you know, I'm sorry about the latest, you know, screw up, whatever it was, but I can't read. And so, you know, I just, I just drop the ball sometimes, right. You know, like Amazon wouldn't exist as a company, but if, if they had, if they had some little snafu somewhere and he was like, you know, the, those, I mean, I'm pretty good, but this higher, it's, it's just, I'm not really a math guy. Everyone's going to chuckle and, and, you know, go on with their lives and it's worse um you know reading is is sort of a peculiarly acquired skill mm -hmm. um i can read english i i can suss out latin with a dictionary and very poorly um after six years of study i can't mm -hmm. read any other languages you know most of what's written i can't read Right. That's okay. I can read some of what's written, um, sure, you know, sure. but mathematics is, is fully universal. Um, the, the sort of tools of say geometry uh, are something that as far as we can tell predate history, because there are, there are geometrically architected structures from prehistorical civilizations that we have access to. Right. So so there are there are no people who who do not have all the tools required to do geometry, arithmetic, uh, and and other forms of of sort of entry level mathematics, and and we think that it's okay and and understandable 
for people to just claim blanket ignorance right across right. across this this foundational part of the universe I, i'm with you like it's funny because math was my strongest subject uh until pre-calculus and then it was like oh, <laughs> but i got off that bus but but i i understand that it is kind of funny how we all just put our hands up and said we don't know math and we go okay i understand and we kind of moved on from that and so i was i always want to see your side of it because like we say in, and i'll look at your bio here you are a self-proclaimed recreational mathematician i always wonder that moment when you go from oh wait i can do this not for funsies but like i can apply for different things in my downtime right it's now a true passion of mine whereas if it was the reading or the writing i have so many authors on my show i think you are literally the first mathematician uh yeah well people don't really like lean into it again i think there's a lot of cultural animus uh and i don't think you're alone in in sort of falling at the gate of analysis uh, pre-calculus mm -hmm. is sort of when limits and and some of those those things come in and lots of people don't aren't that comfortable with that um but another i think really important thing about mathematics is that it's sort of many, many disciplines at the same time. And what we've been discovering for several thousand years now is that these disciplines, which appear to be on their face, wholly unrelatable, are all ultimately talking about exactly the same thing. So for example, uh, chaotic mathematics, uh, which has sort of become much more in vogue and People have, you know, screensavers of that that are doing chaotic things and, and stuff like that uh, is based off of a branch of differential equations called nonlinear differential equations, mm -hmm. which for basically hundreds of years were dismissed because it, they're virtually impossible to solve. Uh, but there was there was this guy who wasn't really all that good at calculus, like. You know, he, he, he may well have dropped out aside right next to you in the analysis, you know, pre-calc phase, but it turned out that he was very strong in geometry and had incredibly good sort of visualization capacities. And yeah. he's the one that figured out uh, the attractor method of not solving, but rather characterizing the solutions of differential equations. Yeah. And that characterization method was so powerful that it allowed nonlinear differential equations to be characterized as well. And that's where we, we sort of enter into the realm of now being able to look at and study chaotic systems using, using our, our tools. Um, and so those sorts of things where people who are good at math are, are basically told, okay, this entire discipline's one thing. You need to learn this other thing that that you know doesn't look related. And they're like, oh well, I'm bad at that. That was the next thing. It must. This must be what more advanced math is. Right. But it isn't. Every single one of these intro points has basically an infinite tower of advanced math sitting on top of it. And every single one of those towers has an infinite number of pathways linking it to every other level of every other tower there is. And we, 
don't even know where all the tower bases are, <laughs> where right, all the right. walkways are. We're we're only up to a few floors high on any one of these things. There's there's so much richness that's available, and and we 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 basically just tell people, you know, uh, you're not qualified to be a NASA rocket scientist. Uh, I guess you could be a ditch digger instead, and it's <laughs> like that's not. That's not right. the dichotomy. <laughs> yeah, it's all or nothing, baby. That's it. <laughs> well. Let's let's talk about uh, Cordisk, uh, your 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 company, and I want to go in the backside in because you're passionate about your fields and deciding to go into enterprise with that passion. Two questions: How's it been so far, and how do you keep yourself abreast of new changes and new trends in your field? Uh, well, it's been, it's been rough. Um, I, you know, I've been, I've been doing this for the better part of a decade now. Uh, Congrats. and well, you know, still pre-revenue. So, you know, we'll see. Um, but, uh, I do actually have a handful of customers. Um, I am starting to get some traction. Um, and there's some, yeah, yeah. To keep going, I think you have to take discouragement as encouragement um, because the world will produce an infinite amount of discouragement. And so if you if you are willing to allow that to be what stops you, it will. Um, and and so you have to have a, a psychological mindset that you because you can't just be running into a wall because you're running into a wall and, and, you know, you, 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 you need to be overcoming things mm-hmm. um, because, you know, things can fail and you shouldn't keep doing things that, that are failing. Like that's a bad idea. You're wasting time. Uh, but new ideas and and the newer the idea is the the more this is the case um don't find ready acceptance in the world and so you need to be able to take casual dismissal and and self-interested dismissal and and apathy as as things that you need to move forward and overcome and get past um, uh, because you're going to just see lots and lots of, uh, well, mostly apathy, uh, but, mm-hmm. but even past apathy, there's, there's huge walls of, of, you know, brief engagement uh, or, or, you know, self-interested disengagement or so on. And, and that's that's the hard part, basically. Sure, sure. Ten years in, I mean, I think, and I, and I can't compare because my my business is entertainment. But th- there was a period of, of pre revenue <laughs> as well, and and a lot of those. Uh, oh, that's a good idea, buddy. And then walking out of the room, uh, you know, and there's many nights you sit in, in bed going, "Am I even like wasting my time here?" And and the fact you're able to soldier on is always great. But then the question I have is then. At what point do you say, this is my vision, I'm going to march toward it? Do you say it's time for a pivot? Like, as a business owner, how do you best reach those those customers? Or how have you built your portfolio to get on that path to revenue, you think? Uh, well, for me, the 
I'm effectively being compelled by the idea. Uh, mm -hmm. So, can you describe I, the idea in small detail? This uh, yeah, yeah, thing? sure. Um, so basically, I found a way to create a three-sided marketplace between producers, consumers, and informed negotiator forecasters, uh, where people playing each role contribute the as much as they can to that role to come to a common understanding of how much should be produced and at what prices um, to create a stable marketplace for some commodity. Mm -hmm. uh, and so what this allows you to do is to create markets which are more stable and easier to regulate than the kind we presently have, and also less expensive offering the individuals within the market higher rates of return in their actual businesses. So the negotiator forecasters get to live in a world where they're in a positive sum market. They aren't paying fees for every trade that they do because they're not doing trades. They're providing advice effectively. And then they're reaping the benefits of that advice striped across the entire marketplace. Um, so their rates of return are insanely high by historical standards. Uh, and on the flip side, the kind of edge users, the, the people that make and, and use whatever that industry, you know, involves, um, are closer together than they've ever been before. So the, the variance in price between what the ultimate customers actually paying and the ultimate producers actually receiving is tighter than any market that's ever existed. So that combination gives all three of those participants a better deal than than any of them are getting right now. Are, are there any industries that kind of fall into that model, like more an ideal case scenario? Like if someone's like, I don't know, widgets, is it more service-based? Do all industries apply to this? Uh, effectively, any industry where a a commodity is produced okay. and consumed. So, uh, effectively, all of agriculture, including things like wood and stuff like that. Uh, most mining um, is in that category. Uh, there are some kinds of financial instruments that that more or less work like that. So, um, like countries and certain large corporations very rarely buy their debt back before maturity. So mm -hmm. that sort of very blue chippy high value uh, bond issuance would, would qualify. Um, there are potentially services that could be, that could be, you know, carried out in this fashion. Um, uh, mostly the kind of stuff that right now the you know chat gpt and and things like that are doing sort of you know transcription services or, or other kind of you know base clerical type work uh yeah. might might be doable although the ai people might eat those industries you know before it was worthwhile to build a market for them right <laughs> yeah it's it is kind of funny how like i won't say a wrench but how how much spice ai has put into different segments uh over the past 15 years whether it's art whether it's commerce it's it's kind of interesting to watch that grow for better or worse <laughs> uh, i have a question though uh and this is going back to when i started my own business and i had my own vision and i thought i can bring something a unique perspective on things i was so untrained 
in in acquiring that client list. And when I got those first sales calls, I used to go outside and walk the street because I was so nervous of messing up over the phone. And over time, I became a lot more comfortable with that role. I wonder when you have such an advanced uh, not only algorithm, but advanced matrix, I guess. Is that okay to say? Can I say matrix? Or is that not cool? Algorithms are perfectly, I mean, it is okay. It is sort of becoming a dirty word in our general parlance, but right. algorithm is a, is a correct appellation for what we're talking about. Absolutely. And and so it's, it seems to be so much beneficial, but how do you build that bridge to go from, so who may even understand what you're saying, but like to say, oh, look, I'm going to go with your process. I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to sign you up uh, as a vendor. Like what's the, what's the pitch look like? Uh, well, um, the, the sort of standard pitch is, uh, a lot of like cold calling in sort of LinkedIn and it's sort of, I, I saw your profile. I've got a patent pending solution to supersede commodity markets. Uh, do you have 15 minutes to chat? And I saw this thing that I, I based it off of the, the, uh, the princess bride introduction. Um, so the one of the most famous lines in basically movie history is, hello, mm -hmm. my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father, prepare to die. <laughs> right. So this is the model for the perfect way to introduce yourself to a potential client. Hello, polite greeting. My name is Inigo Montoya. Introduce yourself. You killed my father establish what your existing connection is prepare to die set expectations for the future relationship <laughs> i got it i got it to layers <laughs> i thought that was brilliant and right. yeah I, I i saw that like five years ago or something and i was like yes i need to figure out how to and so that i put that together and uh and so then after that it's having conversations like this one um, right. and starting a little over a year ago now, I've been having conversations like this one on people's podcasts, which means that when I start things like that up, it's now possible for people to watch a back catalog of me having the kinds of awkward first introduction conversations that we're having right now. Yeah. Uh, and get a sense of what's going on. And so we can have the second conversation or the third conversation instead of the first conversation. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's, it's turned into people that want to build some marketplaces and hopefully it will turn into some more people that want to do that. Well, I make awkward look cool. Um, I, I just want to say it's pretty cool that you said that because the, even though we talk about our foreign concepts, there really is a human element when it comes to things because people want to make sure that you know you're not an automaton or you're not you know a, I don't know a scallywag or something in between. So I like the fact you're saying, "Hey, look, I'm going to do the groundwork, even though I have faith in my product or service. I am a human being with feelings and expectations." Uh, yeah. Well, there's also uh, there's a lot of years of just having arbitrary conversations with effectively random individuals um, to sort of figure out what makes sense to other people. Uh, because it, it really is the case that the easiest way to understand this is as a set of integral equations, um, which mm. is a very high bar uh, barrier to entry, basically, to understanding what's going on. But you can write down in a handful of formulas how the system works and why the system has to actually be able to function 
um, in, in just a handful of symbols. And you can turn that handful of symbols into about 300 lines of code that would do all the computations. And I had those things in hand basically before I, I ventured out. It was like, that's that's where I started. I developed that. I wrote the code that did what those things said. I watched that code's performance and was and realized how dramatic an effect this would have on the world and mm -hmm. that there's nothing that compares to it that's happening anywhere today uh nor aside from greater insights into market structure is there really anything that could um because if somebody came up with radically better agricultural or manufacturing or some other technique improving marketplaces would have the same multiplicative effect on that new world with this now better technique in it that it has on our world so so the magnification this does to our economy would apply even to other attempts to magnify our economy through through improved technology in different domains well, the research there is, I was curious, your favorite programming language? Um, do you have one? Uh, really, no. Um, okay. I, I actually did. Uh, it's, a, it's an old project, uh, and we might dust it off again someday. But a buddy of mine and I actually worked on developing a programming language uh, that we oh, wow. deft. And the, the core insight was to do set-valued variables. So... In standard programming languages, uh, the some variables will just have sort of a value in them, which might be a number or might be some words or, you know, might be something else. Um, but very frequently, most things are about data structures. So lists or uh, hash key, like key value pairs, stuff like that, uh, or databases. And, and so a lot of what you do in language description is assemble the data sets into the structure that's convenient for the computation that needs to be done and then traverse or search those data structures for the parts that are relevant to the calculation that is necessary for whatever you're doing and then turning whatever the outcome of that computation is into the output that's necessary for whatever task is going on. So there's a great deal of data structure manipulation happening. And so mm -hmm. my idea basically coming out of uh, line processing from Unix program pipelines and databases uh, was that if the, the values of variables were sets of things. Um, so they acted when you were doing computations like they were the sort of simple variables that just had one value in them. But under the hood, they actually had multiple non-repeating values that could would then be related to the other set valued variables by how they were being put together. Then the data structure elements could be turned into first-class values inside the system. And so the kinds of 
arithmetic operators and regular expression operators and, and other kinds of string and number operators that people are much more familiar with and comfortable with would actually allow you to restructure the variables um, sure. sort of on the fly. And this allows several fairly interesting things, including um, having a given set of data be in multiple simultaneous structures because the data structures are actually values that are sort of on par with the actual uh, uh, data sets themselves. So we, we played around with that a little while. Um, yeah, this actually leads into a question we ask all our guests here on New Am Sam Radio because between your your company and your keeping yourself abreast and creating or co-creating your own programming language, do you believe in days off, sir? And if so, how do you do that? Um, yeah, yeah, I'm a I'm a fan of days off. Um, the the core driver of sort of what makes me actually good at optimizing algorithms is that I'm lazy. Uh, and, and I extend my laziness to sort of the things that are doing work for me too. So, uh, yeah. you know, I don't like it when, when my computer's busy and not, you know, immediately responsive to whatever my whims are. So I don't want it to be working hard either. Um, and so if there's a way to, to not do something to get the outcome you're looking for, I'm the person who's going to figure out what that way is and insist right. on doing it. Right. Uh, pseudo relax. Uh, before we get out of here, there's another question we ask a lot of our guests here in New Amsterdam, Marina, because we are human beings too. So, Mr. Haley, what is your favorite junk food? <sighs> popcorn? Yeah, probably popcorn. As junk food? Whoops. I guess I have drink every day. <laughs> this is awkward. Yeah. Well, you know, I think I think many of us uh, uh, do actually. But yeah, um, I, I have an extensive DVD collection. Um, I never really got up to the Blu-ray level, but I probably got oh, let's see, probably got about six hundred DVDs here. Um, so yeah, I can. Uh, I can I can chill out a little bit, get myself some popcorn, and uh, and watch something at some point. I love it. I love it. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Now is the most important time of the show. Let people know how they can engage with you, book you, learn more about you and your brand. Uh, absolutely. So the easiest way to get in contact with me is email uh, noahphealy at yahoo.com, uh, LinkedIn. Uh, on the apparently the oldest Noah Healy that's ever lived. So just Noah Healy will get to me on LinkedIn. Uh, for years, I was alone on my Google page. And then uh, some couple in, I believe it was California, decided to have another Noah Healy. Uh, they ruin everything. Well, yeah. Like, what's up with people, more than one person having the same name? Like, shouldn't everybody have different names from everyone who's ever lived? But anyhow. That's what I'm saying. Uh, and then, yeah, if you want to learn more about... Uh, uh, my project, I have a website at cordisc, uh, C-O-O-R-D-I-S-C.com. Uh, and you can download the white paper there, watch some video, just like read a bunch of questions I've been asked historically, learn some math about game theory. I too am all for unique naming conventions. Uh, this is who I'm the podcast for creatives. Thanks for coming out. I appreciate you. Thank you.
Thanks so much for listening to New Amsterdam Radio. Learn more about the show at newamsterdam.com. That's K-N-E-W Amsterdam.com. Until next time, this city is yours. <laughs>